Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Check. There we go. Go ahead and take your seat if you would. Turn to your neighbor and say shalom. Come on, somebody. Hit him with some, some Hebrew. Well, good morning. I said good morning. Uh, my name is Jeremiah. I get the opportunity to share with you a little bit this morning. I uh, am the uh, son-in-law of Pastor Derek, who is the lead pastor of this church, and so honored to share this morning with you guys uh, just a little bit about Advent. Before we, before we hop into the message this morning, I just wanted to honor the worship team uh, for leading us into the presence of God. I think, yeah, go ahead, give it up. You know, God, God uh, instructs us to be people of honor. And what that means is we recognize other people's sacrifice. We recognize other people and we, we uh, give them honor. And so um, I just want to thank the worship team, you know, for the work that they put in each and every week. None of them have to do this. None of them do it out of obligation, but it's out of a uh, longing desire to lead people into the presence of God. And so thank you guys so much for doing that. Uh, today we continue on with our celebration of Advent, and I just wanted to take a moment this morning to slow down and recognize what Advent is all about, because sometimes in the church world, we can be very churchy people. Hope I didn't hurt anyone's feelings, okay? But what I'm trying to say is that if we're not careful, we will do things for God that we have no, re no understanding of why we're doing them. And so it's very important for us to slow down to not find our hope, our confidence in anything that we do regularly, but to find it in the person of Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. And so we don't walk out religion, we walk out relationship, is what I'm saying. So to some, especially in a church environment like this, where this is one of the, the few liturgical things that we do each and every year, I wanted to slow down and kind of explain what this is about. Early, early on in the history of the church, and it's so important for us as Christians to understand where we've come from, because there are a lot of lessons to be learned for what the church has gone through, the lessons that we have learned as the body of Christ and that we've passed on from generation to generation. So early on, the church began to celebrate Easter pretty quick through things like Passover, through things like Lent, but they realized that we do not have a celebration for the birth of Christ. Now, let me make something clear. December 25th is not the day that Jesus was born. Oh, no. Okay, that was never the purpose. In fact, the early church chose December 25th because by every estimation that they had, it was the darkest day of the year. I don't know if you realize this. They knew there needed to be kind of a halfway-ish celebration between Easter and the rest of the year so that we could fix our eyes and our mind and our heart on God. And so they implemented December 25th as the day to celebrate Christ, okay? A couple hundred years go by. This is very early in the church, about 400 AD. These movements started to spring up in the Roman culture, in the Roman Empire, that were shifting the focus on that day from Jesus to ourselves. It was a Gnosticistic movement that was started, and in response to that movement, in a correction of pride, Advent was implemented, okay? Y'all didn't know you were in history class today, did you? Come on, somebody. And the reason why Advent is so beautiful is because Advent means the coming. I'm sure Pastor Warren talked about this some last week when he talked about hope and, and the hope that we have in Jesus. But it's important for us to understand what the incarnation is, okay, everybody? The incarnation is this fancy church term that we have, that explains Jesus coming down from heaven to earth in bodily form and the importance of that and what it means for us today, 2,000 years later. If you want to study something this Christmas, yes, read the book of Luke, read the Christmas story, but go read Philippians chapter 2 to fully understand what Jesus did and the sacrifice willingly that he gave for us coming down in bodily form. The Bible says that he gave away his divinity so that we could experience salvation. But the other side of Advent, the other part that we recognize is that Jesus is not done coming back yet. That there will be a day when Jesus returns. And so what we celebrate in Advent is 
the sandwiching that we are in between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. And these things, these states of our heart that are available to us because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. I get to talk about peace today, and I'll light the peace candle in a moment for those of you that are itching and want this candle lit, okay? <laughs> light the candle. Pastor Warren's like, light the candle, man. We need the photo op. I find this particular candle, the candle of peace, to be maybe the most ironic candle that we light. Because in a season that's supposed to be marked by peace, oftentimes this Christmas season is defined by everything else. My oldest son was born on Christmas Day. Anybody else have like a Christmas baby or Christmas family? Okay, all right. No participation in the crowd. Appreciate you guys. My oldest son was born on Christmas Day. My wife and I will celebrate our ninth wedding anniversary on December 22nd. And this season for us is marked by chaos. Because not only that, but then I have the pressure of making sure everyone gets the gifts that they want. Then I have the pressure of trying to figure out how I don't go negative in my bank account with said gifts. And then I got to go to every Christmas party that my family throws. I have work Christmas parties that I have to show up to. And a season that should be marked by peace and calmness and gentleness is marked by chaos. But I want to tell you that there is a peace that Jesus has available for you today. There is a peace, there is a way to live in this world as followers of Christ where our peace is not determined by what goes around on the outside, but it's determined by what Jesus did for us on the inside. I want to take a moment to light this candle and so satisfy several people. Get the photo op here. Did you get the serious photo op? How about this one? There we go. If you have your Bibles, open to John chapter 14. I want to share out of a passage. Jesus, in, in this chapter, he is, he is correcting some faulty thinking that is happening by his disciples. This is the chapter where Jesus defines that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. This is a chapter where, set, where some parables have been taught kind of before this, leading up to this, and they're beginning to question, okay, what is this Jesus guy actually about? And at the end of the chapter here, in verse 26, is where we're going to start. He starts to explain what life is going to look like after he ascends into heaven, which his disciples were in denial about. They didn't understand the reason that Jesus truly came. They didn't understand that Jesus had a greater plan than anything that they could think up in their own minds. Start in verse 26. He says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace. Everybody say peace. 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 I leave with you my peace, <laughs> so, such a dad joke, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. If you're going to underline anything, underline that. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Which, by the way, is also the first phrase in this chapter, John 14, verse 1. Neither let them be afraid. Let's pray. God, thank you for this opportunity to share today, God, I pray that we would set our hearts and our minds on the peace that only you can provide to us, that your Holy Spirit would bring to remembrance the things of the word of God so that we wouldn't be held captive to this world. Jesus, speak through me today without error. I pray that your Holy Spirit would share the word and land on hearts and land on good soil this morning in Jesus' name and everybody said it's important for us to realize what 
the context is of Jesus sharing. It was not uncommon as people would leave in this time, they didn't say goodbye. What they said to each other was shalom. So if you were leaving a party, I wouldn't be like, all right, follow me on Instagram. What's up, everybody? Uh. What the Hebrew people would say to each other is shalom, which is the Hebrew term for peace. But Jesus would go on to expand that he wasn't just saying a normal closing to a meeting. He wasn't just going to leave the typical peace with his disciples that they were used to, this word that kind of got thrown around but actually didn't have any rooting or meaning. It kind of became like how we greet each other and we say, how are you? But we don't really mean how are you. We mean I want to avoid awkwardness, so I'm going to say these three words. <laughs> And, and the typical response, which is, just learned a lot about you guys right now. This is great. Typical response, which is, I'm good. How are you? Right? So the Hebrew people would say shalom, but they didn't really mean shalom. They didn't really mean I'm going to do something for you so that you can have peace. It was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> so Jesus takes the time, he pauses, and he expands on what he means here. He says, I'm going to leave peace with you that's not from this world. It's nothing that this world can offer you. But it's going to be a peace that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a peace that cannot be shaken or changed depending on what goes on around you. That was a good place for somebody to say amen. amen. About to take a salvation call. It's translated in the Greek. I just want you to see this because it's going to be important when I, for something I talk about later on. It's this word, Irene. Say, Irene. Here's what it means. It means, of Christianity, the tranquil state of a soul, assured of its salvation through Christ. And so, fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. So here's my question to you today. Here's what I want to venture down the path of. If there is this peace available to us that Jesus left us, if we really believe that Jesus does what he says he does, and he said, I have this peace for you that, by the way, surpasses all understanding, like Paul says in the book of Philippians chapter 4. He says, this peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul would later go on to say in that same chapter that I have found the secret to be content in every circumstance. Whether I have abundance or whether I have nothing. If this peace Jesus left for us out of his love for us, why are there so many Christians living chaotic lives? Why are there so many of us Christians that are anxious and worried and concerned? And the variables of the world are like a soundboard that turns up our worry and, or turns it down. Now, it's easy for me to say up here sounding all high and mighty after I've studied this passage for <laughs> quite a few hours this week. I'm the biggest culprit of them all. I am a worrywart by all means of the word. Anybody else a worrywart in here? That's what I'm talking about. Yes. You have a backup plan for the backup plans, backup plan. Some of you guys are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Or some of you guys are elbowing your spouse right now. Like, man, he's preaching to you right now. But we all have a way of being consumed by worry in this world. Part of the reason is we're so busy. I read an article this week that said that the average state of consciousness in America is caffeinated. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? If I were to pick anybody on the street at any moment in the day, there would be caffeine running through their system on average. The other day, I had my uh, brother-in-law wait over. Wait, can you wave to the people? Just say hello. I felt very convicted the other day because I was studying for this message, and typically when you're a pastor and you study for a message, God shows you how you're not living out that message. Do you know what I'm saying? 
Oh, so, okay, so you guys are holy. That's fine. That's great. Well, I'm not, so it's fine. Um, I was in, in our house. We kind of just moved into this new house way up north, and, and uh, my kids were just going bananas. I know y'all's kids don't act crazy, but mine do, okay? My kids were going crazy. I was like, what is going on right now? I just got off of work. I came home. I was sipping some eggnog with nutmeg. Okay, that gets an amen. All right. Okay, all right, cool. And I couldn't help but start to feel this angst inside of my soul, my emotion. Maybe it was because I felt like they were embarrassing me in front of my cool brother-in-law. Maybe it's because I felt like I was out of control in the situation. But my voice went from zero decibels to 100 decibels really, really quick. And in that moment, it was like the Holy Spirit was like, man, you just, you have no peace right now. And so God is starting to work at some things. Have you ever felt like you just don't have any peace in your life? Have you ever felt like situations are out of control? Maybe for you, it's like you don't know what your job is going to look like. Maybe you've been wanting a promotion and that's the only thing that you can think about. Maybe you've been trying to buy a house, hello somebody, and the 7% interest rates are killing you right now. Maybe you saw the sticker that said Biden did this at the gas station. And you're like, you know what, yeah, he did do that. Whatever it is, we as Christians in this world should be the most peaceful, calm, secure people on the entire planet. And I want to tell you why. It's, it's really important for us to understand why Jesus came. This is something that the Jewish people didn't even understand. This is something that the Pharisees and the Sadducees could not comprehend. Because Jesus was starting to sound a little bit weird. He was starting to do things like wash people's feet. He was starting to do things like healing people on the Sabbath. Jesus was starting to care for people that society completely overlooked. And the message that Jesus was sending is that I have not come to overthrow, I have come to overcome. See, Jesus did not come, everybody please hear this, because there is some really faulty theology out there that will tell you that when you get saved, you will have no trouble. Maybe you've convinced yourself that if I can just get right with God, if I can just do the right things, then all the waves and the storms in my life will cease. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus came not to change external circumstances, but to transform inner hearts. But we've, we've tricked ourselves. We have set our focus on the wrong source of our peace. A couple years ago, our family came back for Christmas. We were living in Texas at the time. And my wife, my wife came in clutch for Christmas, y'all. She got me the two gifts I really wanted, okay? I wanted some AirPod Pros to tune out the kids. I mean, uh, to listen to sermons. And I wanted these fear of God essentials sweatpants. Now, that probably flew over some of your heads. That's okay. I'm cool and I don't care what you say. They're super comfortable, and they look good. I wore them yesterday. Fire. Okay, anyway. Look good, preach good, y'all. That's all I'm saying, okay? We had to drive immediately following our Christmas Eve services at the church we were in in Texas. So we took off around 9.30, and we drove straight to Colorado. That's 16 hours for those of you that are counting. And for those of you who are wondering, yes, my wife did drive most of that while I slept, okay? Don't judge me. I just feel like there's a lot of judgment up here right now. This is... So we get here, of course, I'm wearing my Fear of God sweats, okay? Super comfy, slept well. We spend some time in Colorado with some family, 
And then we head back to Texas after about a week and a half. When I get to Texas, I'm searching through my bag to do laundry. And there's one thing that I don't see in my bag. It was the sweats. And plenty of underwear. That's a weird thing to say. You come prepared, y'all. <laughs> I couldn't. That's right. I had about 20 pairs, brother. I don't know what you're talking about. I couldn't find my sweats. Not only that, but I go to pull out my AirPod Pros. Can't find my AirPod Pros. And I'm like, God, this is what suffering really is. No, I'm just kidding. That is not, that is not the message. Right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Whoa, everybody. Okay. So I'm calling my parents. I'm like, Mom, Dad, can you find my sweats? I need you to dig through the house. They're not taking it as serious as I want them to. I'm looking everywhere. I tear apart our minivan. That's right. We drive a minivan. And I'm like, where is this? And after looking and exhausting and searching and searching and searching some more. I couldn't find them. I was dev devastated. Devastated. And I came to a conclusion that there's no way I lost them. No way. See, I came up with this story that when we were on the way back from Texas... We stopped at a gas station. Danielle was dozing off in the passenger seat. I was faithfully driving back home. Went in to use the restroom. Somebody must have gone in the trunk of our car, gone in my bag, stole my sweats and my AirPod Pros, and left everything else. And for a year and a half, I was convinced that somebody stole my stuff. Until, oh man, there's always more. Until we moved back to Colorado four and a half months ago. We're staying in my parents' guest bedroom. I go to unpack my suitcase. I look in the second drawer. Guess what I find? Some dope sweatpants and some AirPod Pros. My mom and dad got it talking to. The second drawer? It was right there. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> a lot of us can do this with our peace. We can convince ourselves that somebody else is capable of stealing our peace. When in reality, the only person that can forfeit your peace is you. If you are a believer in Christ... The beauty of the gospel is that you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. This Holy Spirit that bears fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. But so many of us have convinced ourselves that we are not the thief to our peace. This hope, this joy, this love, and this peace that we celebrate in this season, nobody can take them from you. They may be able to convince you to give them away yourself, but nobody, no thing can take these away from you. Because when Jesus said it is finished on the cross, he meant it. Biden can't take it. Trump can't take it. Inflation can't take it. Your boss can't take it. Your job can't take it. Little Tommy can't take it. The Denver Broncos can't take it. That one's close. That might be, that one might be legit. That, that one might be legit, actually. Thanks, Russ. Let's ride. Okay, all right. I feel like Deion Sanders up here right now. This is crazy. All right. <laughs> See, here's the truth. Here's the truth as Christians. That when we focus on and blame our external circumstances, we forfeit our internal transformation. See, the peace that Jesus offers is internal. And our peace doesn't come from the absence of our storms. It comes from the presence of our Savior. 
Let me read this passage to you for this to make some sense. In Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41, it says, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat. Maybe they duct taped him, I don't know. Just as he was. And other boats were with them. So pause real quick. Let me tell you what's going on. Jesus had just spent a lot of time teaching and doing miracles and exhausting himself. And Jesus says, okay, it's time for us to go to the other side of the lake. Why? Because somebody over there needs me. The plan must continue on. And the Bible's actually pretty clear that they insist that Jesus goes with them. So I don't know if maybe his initial plan was, I'm just going to go around and he was testing the disciples, but it goes out of its way to say that the disciples said, no, 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 you've you got to come in our boat. And Jesus is so popular at this time that there are other boats that are going across the lake to stay with him, to make sure that they're a part of the crowd. Verse 37, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Brother sleeps like me. He's a heavy sleeper. Come on, somebody. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Oh. 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 And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace! <laughs> Be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? It's interesting to me that God gives us this available peace, but yet our default is chaos. Our default is doubt. And it's important for us to understand our place in the story. Sitting right now in this place on December 4th, 2022. Like I said, we are sandwiched in between the first coming of Jesus and the day when Jesus will change external circumstances. He will, without a doubt, bear the government on his shoulders. He will, without a doubt, come back and rescue his people. And he'll do it fiercely, by the way. The Bible says that every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. That day will come. But right now, like Paul, Paul said at the end of Romans chapter 7, he says, who will save me from this mortal body of death? We are in a broken and fallen world, my friends. But that doesn't mean that we have to be broken and fallen. We are sandwiched in between the hope that's to come and where we're at right now. In other words, we are not of this world even though we're in it. I think there's a few things from this story and the disciples' interaction with Jesus that we can learn. Because the last thing that I would want to do today is tell you that you can have peace without encouraging you how to get it. The first thing that we have to do, and I hope that you're taking notes. I hope that you care enough this morning to pull out your phone and, and take some notes. Because you'll go to heaven if you do. <laughs> I didn't say anything about if you don't take notes, but all I can guarantee is, I'm just kidding. The first thing that we have to do is determine that we will not set sail without the Savior. In other words, you have to start every day with Jesus. Your success in dealing with storms is determined before they ever come. Your success in dealing with the storms of life is not determined in the moment the storm comes. Too many of us are starting our day each and every day on the wrong foundation. And I don't want to make this a religious thing, okay? I, I don't want to say like if you, if you don't start every day with Jesus, you're going to fail. Or if you don't start every day with Jesus, you're sinning. That's not what I'm trying to say because oftentimes I think we can read the Bible as 
prescriptive. In other words, we read these verses and we think that, okay, I have to do that exact thing when in reality they're descriptive things and they're explaining a nature or a character of a person or the nature or character of God. And we can get caught up in this shame and guilt of, oh man, I didn't spend time with God this morning so I must not be saved. That's not what I'm saying. But what I want to encourage you with is if you feel like the waves are crashing into the boat in your life, don't ignore it. The disciples determined that they would not go to the other side of the lake without the Savior being in the boat. And it's a good thing they did. It is a very good thing that they did. Because when the storm did come, I wonder how the other boats felt without the Savior in their boat. <laughs> I can't help but wonder how people who don't know the love of Jesus can have hope and peace and joy in this world. I, I can't help but wonder that when we are brave enough to ask the questions of our faith and begin to discover that it's not just about the doubts in our life, but it's about the things we'll be missing out on that only Jesus can provide us. Everybody faced a storm, but one of the boats had a Savior. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus desires and longs for you to be the very first thing on your mind when you wake up in the morning. He's, he's willing to go in the boat with you. The problem is so many of us set sail on our day and the pace of this life robs us from the peace of God. I just want to encourage you, whether it's 5, 10, or 15 minutes, Man, get in the presence of God each and every morning, please. It doesn't have to be a specific Bible reading plan. I would encourage you to have some organized sense of Bible study. But please just start small and say, man, I don't want to start my day without Jesus being in the boat, without me being aware of his presence and his availability when trouble does come. What is the foundation of your day? Matthew 7 24 through 27 says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and that storm blew. And it fell. And great was the fall of it. Do you realize the cost of how you start your day? Do you realize that when you forfeit that time to the world instead of God's word, do you realize how much you're giving away? Do you realize that you're forfeiting the foundation of your day? My hope and prayer is that you can get by. Maybe you're a night person and maybe that's where you spend time with God. But I just want to encourage you the way that we are wired as humans, we ramp up into the day. That's why David says, I seek your face in the morning, Lord. The second point, and I want to spend a little bit of time here. I want to make sure I get you, I get you guys out before lunch. Is that when waves come, we should wake him up. You know, I am convinced that there are a lot of Christians walking around, and I actually see it a lot with like young adults, with my peers, people my age, that feel like spiritual Christianity is a weaker form of Christianity. And I would just tell those people that we do not need less spiritual Christians in the church today. Okay, let me say, maybe there was a time where we did. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all's mamas were like, there's a demon under every single rock. You're like, I, I don't think that's right. In this intellectual, empirically driven world that we live in today, it's important for us to understand that our battles do not come with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers in the spiritual realm. These storms that we face... 
are serious. And by the way, some of the storms in your life are a lot more spiritual than you think they are. Some of the things that you are facing and the cycles that you're in over and over and over again that other people see in your life, those are spiritual things that can be overcome with spiritual solutions. You know, the other thing that I find so interesting here is that that word peace, when Jesus says, peace be still to the waves, it's not the same word as Irene. It's the word siopao. And I think this is important for us to understand because I do believe that God is not dead. I do believe that God can heal. I do believe that God wants to heal. I do believe that God wants to do miracles still today. Is there anybody left in the church of God who believes that he's not dead? Okay. <laughs> Some of y'all need to be reminded that God's not dead and his Holy Spirit is still moving. And sometimes Jesus will say, Siopao to your waves. And he'll break in and he'll do miraculous things. But that is not the peace. Somebody listen to me. That Jesus promised us in John 14. He actually tells the waves to shut your mouth. That's what the Greek term means when he says be still. It literally means to put a muzzle over. He said, he said stop, just stop, just mm, mm, stop. Mm. And so, whew. God's capable of doing that in your life. But what I refuse to do is stand up here and tell you that if your waves keep going that you don't have faith. That's not good theology, everybody. That's called prosperity gospel. That's not what we believe here. I need a louder amen from somebody. Because I know the faith that I have and I should, be, I should be filthy rich by now. The peace that God promises you is Irene. It's this peace that no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, I can be rooted in my relationship with God because my longing and my hope is not found in what this world has to offer. It's found in a greater world that's still to come. And some of us are so confused as Christians why God hasn't done what we expect Him to do. And it's led us to doubt and frustration Because we are looking at circumstances instead of our Savior. It's so important that when those waves come in your life, that you turn to the Word of God and not worry. Romans 8, 6. It's my, Romans 8 is probably my favorite chapter in the Bible. It says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. The world will try to convince you that there is no spiritual happenings going on around you. The world will try to tell you that you're crazy. I'm thankful for seasoned saints who have gone through the trials of life and are some of the most peaceful people that I've ever been around. I'm thankful for the people like Paul that they have discovered the secret of being content in every circumstance. I'm thankful for their example. If you are younger in the faith, you need to go buy a seasoned saint some lunch and say, will you show me how to live a life of peace? Will you show me how when my problems come, how I should take care of them? Will you show me how to walk? With God, will you show me how to set my mind on the Spirit? So you may not be able to stop your waves, but God has given you everything you need to stop your worry. This is why in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Paul says that the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You know, the imagery there in the Greek of that word guard is like a garrison surrounding a city at the time. 
And I just can't help but have this picture. When we invite the Holy Spirit into our day, into our heart, into our minds, it's like this garrison that comes to alert when the fiery darts of the enemy attack your mind and tell you that you're not enough and tell you that you can't make it and tell you that you should be better. It's like that garrison comes alive and it defends you with the word of God. The other thing I just I love about this story in Mark 4 is the irony that's present. It must have taken a lot for them to wake Jesus up from his nap. My kids know, like, if you waking me up, the house better be burning down. You know what I'm saying? I just find it funny that when the disciples needed Jesus the most, he was so available to them. You know that God sees your, your problems, and if you're willing to turn to him, he's right there with you. He's near to the brokenhearted. The Bible says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Some of you needed to just be reminded today that Jesus in that boat woke up even though his disciples in the garden kept falling asleep on him. If you remember right before Jesus goes to the cross in his most dire moment where he needed support, he needed people around him, he needed community, the disciples just kept falling asleep over and over again. And I just want to remind you that where you are weak, Jesus is strong. That where you feel like you're not enough or you can't do it on your own strength, you're right. But there is a Savior who can handle it. There is a Savior who will come alongside of you and show you the peace of God. Amen, everybody? My final point, and the keys can come up if we're going to kind of close out here in just a second is that we are called to fear the creator, not the creation. It's kind of a weird scripture, if you remember, in Mark 4. Let's put that up there again for me, if you will. Verse 40 says, And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And look what comes right after that. And they were filled with great fear. How do you make sense of Jesus speaking something and saying, Why are you so afraid? And then the result is that they were filled with great fear. Well, the understanding comes in understanding that their fear in that moment shifted from the storm to what God wanted in their life. The Bible is exhausting in talking about the necessary nature of a believer to fear God. Guys, we have lost our fear of the Lord in the church. We have lost our fear of God. You don't have to look much farther than us as a nation. Some of the things that we're okay with. To see that our fear of the Lord keeps ticking down and down and down. And the correction that came is that Jesus is trying to say, look, if you would just focus on my plan for your life and fear what I think about your life and have a reverence and respect, Jesus is calling his disciples to repentance for their fear of waves. There are things in our life that we fear so much that it is leading us away from the peace of God. Maybe it's other people. Maybe it's failure. I don't know what it is in your own life. But you are not called to fear creation. You are called to fear the creator. To make Jesus your Lord and not just your buddy. Jesus will not settle for anything less than being Lord of your life. The reason that so many people who see Christian walks are so unattracted to it It's because there's a lack of the fear of God in our life. I know this is hard to hear. Would you all think I was just a funny guy? The church needs a call to repentance, everybody. That the peace you're searching for, might it just be that it's in the very things that you are willingly doing over and over again that the word has already encouraged you to say, this is robbing you of the abundant life that God has for you. 
God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would not condemn you in this moment, but would convict you to show you that there's a better way of life. There's a better way of living when we lay those things down as hard as it may be, as deep of a grip as those things may have in our heart. When we choose God and we say, God, I, I can't do anything else but go all in because this half-half thing isn't working. God won't settle with relative truth. Despite what the world says. The most seasoned saints are the ones who have figured out how to build their lives around Jesus. Not build Jesus around their lives. First Peter 3.11 says, Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Jesus has to be Lord of your life. Jesus has to be Lord of your life. And the disciples were trying to reason with Jesus there. But Jesus, the way, no, 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 no. I got it. But it's filling the boat. We're fishermen. We know, we know that it's going to sink. I got it. Give me that fear. See, the lack of peace that you feel is directly proportionate to the lack of trust that you have in God. I'm praying, I just spent the week just praying, just believing that there's more peace available to me when I trust God even more with my life. Would you bow your head and close your eyes right now? One of the reasons I, I, I felt like the Holy Spirit was asking me to, to share this story, I actually changed my main scripture quite a few times in preparing for this message. I couldn't help but Sorry, I couldn't help but just reflect on the fact. That Jesus had the power to stop waves. He had the ability to make storms cease. But in the moment where he headed to the cross and it was about his own pain, and his own suffering. He chose not to make it stop for us. What a beautiful meditation this Christmas season that Jesus in his infinite ability is able to and does stop waves because it was going to stop him from going to the cross. But in the moment where he could have, the Bible says, called down legions of angels. He didn't consider divinity with God to be a thing to be grasped, as Philippians 2 says. But he laid down his life as a servant for you and me. Look, maybe you're in here today and there's a lot going on in your life. Maybe your, your marriage is having some issues. Maybe you've got a prodigal child who you've just been believing and praying for that they're going to come back to the faith and they're going to come back. Maybe for you, it's your job. You don't know what's, what's going to happen. I don't know what chaos is going on in your life, but I do know that regardless of what that circumstance looks like, any and every circumstance, that it may not make sense to the world, but Jesus does not give as the world gives. That in this Christmas season, you can have peace by the presence of a Savior. And I just, I, I would feel remiss when we're talking about peace and to not give you the opportunity if you haven't yet or if you need to recommit your life to the Lord to give you the opportunity to do that. And there's nothing super magical about this prayer we're about to pray. It's a transformation of the heart like we've talked about, but it's a great first step to step out of the crowd and into community and say, God, I'm giving you everything that I have. With every head bowed and with every eye closed, please, I'm not trying to embarrass you. That's not what I, I'm going to do. I'm not going to have you run down to the front. Just right where you're at, this is between you and the Lord in this moment. But I will ask you to raise your hand so that I know who I'm praying for in here. If that's you and you're saying, God, I want to give you my life. I want this peace that surpasses all understanding. Would you just lift your hand right now all throughout this place? I see you guys. Thank you. Just keep it up for me. It's between you and God. Wow, thank you, Lord. I just want you to take that hand and put it over your heart. We're gonna pray this prayer together. 
You can say it out loud or you can say it to yourself. It's up to you. But Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came down in human form to live the life that I could not live and to die the death that I deserved. God, would you forgive me for my sins? Would you help me to walk in a new way of life? Jesus, I give you my whole life. I'm holding nothing back. There is no thing that is off limits to you, but Jesus, I need your help. Holy Spirit, I need your help. Would you fill me right now in this moment? Thank you for the promise of the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to pray for all of us as we go today. Lord, thank you for the peace that you give us. God, I pray for any and every circumstance in here, Lord. You know what people are walking through. You know what people are going through. And so, God, I just pray that you would fill us with that peace that guards our hearts and our minds, that surpasses all understanding. Would we in moments, God, would we not be afraid to understand the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, that we would be aware of your presence. God, that we would call on the name of Jesus when waves come crashing in, that we would start each and every day with you, Lord, and that you would grow and work in us the fear of the Lord. I'm just reminded of the verse in Proverbs that says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. God, I pray that we would be wise people. For those who gave their hearts to you today, Lord, I pray that you would seal that, guard it, God. I pray that they would walk out their faith with fear and trembling, God, like you say. That they would step out of the crowd, Lord whether that's finding somebody else in here and telling them about what's going on in their life, whether they be brave enough, bold enough to not try to do this walk alone, but know that there are people in this church, in this place, in the body of Christ who want to come alongside them and help disciple them and build up their faith. Lord, help us to see what you see. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Hey, listen, guys, thank you for coming out to service today. I hope that you guys hang around for some great fellowship with one another before we go. But I just want to remind you, this season is about Jesus. This season is about the love of Christ. We love you guys. We'll see you next.